freedom. Before I begin, again, I wanted to uh, say thanks on behalf of the churches in Mexico and Central America, where freedom is also being proclaimed, spiritual freedom. And thanks to you, we uh, were able to reach our goal to support the churches in Mexico and Central America. We set a goal to give them $142,000 for this year. And we were able, as a region, to give them more than $160,000, which is awesome. I want to thank you. And I want to congratulate all of us for the sacrifice that we've made, because it not only helped us with helping them, it also for our local projects, you know, uh, supporting Mike Mead uh, for the next uh, six, seven months. And I believe uh, that's going to continue, but a lot of local projects, the campus intern program, uh, we're able to support through that generosity. So congratulations and thank you from the bottom of our heart. And freedom is going out because of that. But you know what? Today as we talk about freedom, this is a life lesson. It affects you daily, and it will affect you for an eternity. That's how big forgiveness is. If you understand it, it'll affect the way you live today. And it will affect you for an eternity. So I hope today you can capture uh, what we're going to talk about. So let's begin. How important is forgiveness? It affects your prayer life. It affects your worship. We spend a lot of time this morning in worship, right? You know, if, you don't, if you're not forgiven and you don't forgive, it affects your worship. You will not worship God in a way pleasing to Him. And we're going to learn that. It affects your faith. When you're not forgiven, your faith is down. When you don't forgive, your faith is affected. It affects relationships. And we're going to see that vividly. How many families, how many, how many best friend relationships have been affected because there wasn't enough forgiveness? It affects our freedom. We love freedom. But if you're not forgiven, you are not free. And if you do not forgive, you will not be free. And so it's super important today that we get a conviction. Let's begin in Mark chapter 11, verse 24. This is what Jesus taught about forgiveness. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Well, let's break this passage down. How important is faith? It's huge. And Jesus is saying it here. Uh, yesterday I had the opportunity to go to uh, an incredible brother, Steve May's funeral. He's my age. Born in 1963. And he died of pancreatic cancer. Married with a family. Minister of the gospel for 18 years. What a life. But you know, so many people were praying for him and praying that God would heal him. But God had other plans. He wanted Steve to come home. But sometimes we pray for things and we think, well, what's the point in praying if God's got other plans? I want to relieve that for you. Because... You know, when we pray for something for God to do, and we believe it, even though He's got other plans, you know what He does with your faith? That faith that you have, He credits it to you as righteousness. 
He takes that faith that you have. He said, I'm going to credit that to you. I have other plans, but I'm going to credit that faith to your faith account. And you'll be rewarded for that faith. So all the prayers that we pray for people, for God, we pray for them to be healed. We pray for them to be blessed. We pray for a change in circumstance. If you pray with faith, God may have another plan, but He rewards that faith. He rewarded Abraham's faith. And then blessed him. So don't get, don't get weary in praying for something when it doesn't happen. God takes note of the faith that you have. And too often we play that word game of, well, if it's God's will. There's only two occasions where that, that, that figure of speech comes in. One is about future plans in the book of James. He talks, don't, don't talk so proudly about we will go here and there and we have this plan and we're going to do this. Rather, play if it's, pray if it's God's will. That is talking about future plans. And then the other time when we need to talk about and pray with God's will in mind is when you're struggling with a life issue like Jesus did in the garden. He said, God, if it's your will. But other than those two occasions, whether it's the future or a life struggle, you shouldn't throw God's will. You should pray with faith. God, I proclaim this promise right here. Now that's free. That's an extra. That's a bonus because it's not in the lesson. Let's get on to our lesson. Freedom through forgiveness. And when you stand praying or kneeling or sitting or driving or walking, If you hold something against someone, is that what it says? No, it doesn't say that. It says if you hold anything against anyone, wow, how big is that? Anything against anyone. Now, you know, when I was doing this lesson, I had to do an inventory. I had to sit down and brace myself. I'm going to preach on forgiveness. Is there anyone, is there anything out there? And it stirred me. If there's one thing you get from today, I want you to think about who and what that you've not been forgiven of or that you have not forgiven someone else of. This is big. This is very big. You know, a lot of times we we know God's love is unconditional, right? We agree on that. We'll all agree God's love is unconditional. Guess what? Forgiveness is not unconditional. God's ready to forgive. He has a predisposition to forgive. He sent Jesus to die on the cross, letting you know, I'm ready, willing, and able to forgive. Here I am, ready to, to forgive you. But there's a condition. What is that condition? You must forgive. In all of our Bible studies with people, what we go through and we do Bible studies with people that are studying the Bible to get right with God, we make sure before you make this decision to follow Jesus, make sure you are resolved with everybody. And when people get restored to the faith, when they leave the faith and come back, we do the same thing. Because the rest is a facade. If you're here today and you're going to take the communion and you want God to forgive you and you've got something against someone else, don't waste your time. Make sure you forgive them. 
And that's how important it is. It's very important to God, forgiveness. It's huge because He knows it affects our relationships. Look at Matthew chapter 5. How important. Matthew chapter 5, in verse 23, it says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, right here in church, and there, remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. How important is it to God? Look at the next verse. Right after that. Verse 25. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still with him on the way. Or he may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer. And you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Settle matters how, how urgently? Quickly. Right now. It's urgent. It's an emergency. It's a 911 call. Settle matters. In other words, forgive and be forgiven. This is big. There's a few things that we need to make sure we're good at as disciples. That we're quick to forgive. Man, if you're not quick to forgive, you're going to have a lot of trouble in the faith. Fathers, mothers, train your children to be quick to forgive. If you're going to pass on one thing, this is a big one. If you want to leave an inheritance, teach your children to forgive quickly. This is a principle, a life principle, that will change who you are. It will change your personality. It will change your demeanor. It will affect your health, as we're going to see. I want to read uh, uh, an article. Some studies are going on about the effects of forgiveness on our health. It's huge. And the more studies they do, the more they realize how much it affects. You are physically healthier, studies have shown, when you have forgiveness and you extend forgiveness in your life. You do your body a favor when you forgive. Recent research has shown the action, the act of forgiveness pays dividends in the form of less illness and physical maladies. And then in another one it says, you are happier and more peaceful when you understand and practice forgiveness. You enjoy improved mental health. Research shows that people who learn to forgive suffer from fewer incidents of depression than before. How much depression and discouragement do we have in our society today? Some people kick around. I couldn't find the exact figure, but some people, they, they, they attribute 70% of emotional illness comes from forgiveness or a lack of forgiveness. In one shape or another. Your stress levels are decreased when you practice the act of forgiveness. Stress in your response to a perceived threat. You're at peace. Your blood pressure is lower when you practice the act of forgiveness. Anybody got high blood pressure in the house? Don't raise your hand. Thank you. (laughs) Just practicing forgiveness will lower your 
blood pressure studies show. What happens if you don't forgive? Here's another one. It's really big. It's easier to stay in the present moment when you practice the act of forgiveness. Ever heard the phrase, live in the moment? Enjoy the moment? When you don't know and you don't live forgiveness, guess what? You're living in the past. You're struggling with the past. And Jesus is saying here, be quick. Be quick to resolve issues. Look in John chapter 8. Or look at the screen. You don't need to. I'll tell you when you need to look. John chapter 8, verse 34. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family. But a son belongs to it. How long? Say that with me. Forever. No, no, no. Say it. Say it like you mean it. Forever. I want to be a part of God's family, not for a little while. Forever. How about you? I want to be in God's presence forever. That's the promise that He's offering. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Isn't that awesome? And by sending Jesus to die and suffer for us, God shows His predisposition to forgive. God's ready, willing, and able to forgive. He's, he's ready. But it's dependent upon us. Will you be forgiven? Will you turn yourself over to Him to be forgiven? It's very important because a lot of people will not allow themselves. They won't forgive themselves and they don't trust or believe in God's forgiveness and they won't forgive others. This is big. Let's turn down the lights and watch this short video. If we can turn the sound up, we'll start it over. This is a very powerful video. Brace yourself because it's a, it's a vivid example of forgiveness in a community. Happened a few years ago year or so ago, in the state of Pennsylvania. Let's watch. In the beautiful hills of Pennsylvania, a devout group of Christian people live a simple life without automobiles, electricity, or modern machinery. They work hard and live quiet, peaceful lives separate from the world. Most of their food comes from their own farms. The women sew and knit and weave their clothing, which is modest and plain. They are known as the Amish people. A 32-year-old milk truck driver lived with his family in their nickel mines community. He was not Amish, but his pickup route took him to many of the Amish dairy farms where he became known as the Quiet Milkman. Last October, he suddenly lost all reason and control. In his tormented mind, he blamed God for the death of his first child and some unsubstantiated memories. He stormed into the Amish school without any provocation, released the boys and the adults, and tied up ten girls. He shot the girls, killing five, 
and wounding five. Then he took his own life. This shocking violence caused great anguish among the Amish, but no anger. There was hurt, but no hate. Their forgiveness was immediately. Collectively, they began to reach out to the milkman's suffering family. As the milkman's family gathered in his home the day after the shootings, an Amish neighbor came over and wrapped his arms around the father of the dead gunman and said, We will forgive you. Amish leaders visited the milkman's wife and children to extend their sympathy, their forgiveness, their help, and their love. About half of the mourners at the milkman's funeral were Amish. In turn, the Amish invited the milkman's family to attend the funeral services of the girls who had been killed. A remarkable peace settled in on the Amish as their faith sustained them during this crisis. It was an amazing outpouring of their complete faith in the Lord's teachings in the Sermon on the Mount. Do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. As you read on the news, violence is more and more prevalent. And I believe as a church, and you as an individual, must choose what will you live by. This was one of the most amazing examples of a community that believed in the promise of Jesus to forgive quickly and do good to those who do evil to you. And today, I don't know what's going to happen in the rest of your life, but as we're going to see in life, people do wrong and they do bad things. You can let that evil affect you and corrupt you, or you can draw the line and say, no, it will not, because I choose to forgive. I choose to follow Jesus. This is a powerful example. And it goes on a lot in our community, in our society, but not enough. There are too many victims. There are too many that grind on the axe and say, well, I was done wrong. I was mistreated. Life was taken from me. I was hurt. But because of that, you will live in prison for the rest of your life. Freedom will be taken from you by another. So you must choose today. Will you forgive? Or will you be a slave to someone else's sin? Someone else's random act of violence. It's our choice. Follow Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, you know, there's witnesses all around giving testimony of the power of forgiveness, even in our fellowship. It amazes me what members of our church 
have forgiven family members of in their lives. And you think you have reason to hold on to something? When there are witnesses among us who suffered horrible things at the hands of family members and forgave. Since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. A lack of forgiveness is something that will hinder you. It will entangle you. It will hold you back. It will hold you down from being free. And the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. See, God has a plan for us to run free. You know, we love those scenes of people running through the field, the wind blowing, and they're free. Are you free today? If you've got unresolved conflict and you're not forgiving, even of yourself and of others, you're not free. This is you. A lack of forgiveness affects homes, communities, even churches have been corrupted by a lack of forgiveness in their fellowship. Best friends in the workplace. How many have ever lived in a toxic work environment? If you haven't, you might, but you must choose. Will you join in the sickness or will you let it go? Today the teaching is about letting things go in your life. Set it free. It's not worth it to be chained down. You know, they came up with these balls and chains to keep people from running away. It was to hold a prisoner captive. It's not going to be that easy to get away when you're chained down. A lack of forgiveness is exactly the same. It will affect your personality. You will lose a smile. You will lose joy. Anxiety will, will, will grow in your life. Your health will diminish over a lack of forgiveness. Forgiveness is one of the biggest issues people have in their lives. And freedom is one of the biggest struggles people have. To live free. How many of us have lived in a cage for most of our lives would, when the door is open, decide, choose to live within that cage and say, I'm not leaving? You're free now. Run. Enjoy life. No, I want to stay here. What would you say to that person? Are you stupid? Boy, are you stupid? No. It doesn't make sense, does it? But see, people are afraid. They like the familiar environment. Forgiveness is a new way of living. It's a free way of living. And I want to encourage you today to make some decisions about living free. Freedom from anxiety, depression, insecurity. And not only these these things, think about all the consequences that people have and develop in coping with anxiety, depression, and security. Chemical dependencies. Outlets to appease and medicate those 
emotions or stress levels. Why not just deal with the root, deal with the issue? Freedom and forgiveness mean almost the same thing. They're they're similar words. Look what both mean. To be set free, to let go, to release, to discharge, to liberate completely. Freedom and forgiveness are very similar. How can you be free if you're not willing to forgive? If you've got a bad circumstance in your life, a health issue, you've got to to learn to cope with it, but not harbor bitterness and hold that in. There's a reason. Our faith teaches us there's a reason for everything. There's a teaching in everything. Problem for people with a Christian background. Here's this is a big issue for us in the church. And if you're a religious person, you can be morally justified in not forgiving someone, but spiritually wrong. Well, they haven't apologized to me yet. So I won't forgive them. Or they haven't changed. Young married couples will say this a lot. He hasn't changed yet. He still does the same thing over and over and over again. Should that, should that prevent you from forgiving? And we're going to talk about that. How many times should you forgive? But sometimes the Bible, this book right here, can, can make you worse at forgiving. Because you use the moral code to justify a lack of forgiveness. Well, he hasn't repented yet. And I'm like, God, if you don't repent, then I will not forgive. No, he doesn't work that way among us. He wants us to forgive even when people don't repent. This is big. Ephesians, we talk about this with young married couples in one of the pre... But I don't believe it's just for married couples. I believe it has to do with all relationships. But we teach this in the premarital talks, the pre the pre uh, preparation talks with married couples, and we do that in our church. We're not going to say I do or let people say I do without being prepared. It's a big decision. It's a big step in life. Mike, Ayumi, okay. Diane said, "Welcome to the family." I say, "Not yet." You're engaged. That's all. Okay. We got to study the Bible. We've got to get ready before you're a member of that family. Okay? Because it's big. There's a lot involved. And this is one of the scriptures that we talk about. Ephesians 4, verse 26. And I remember hearing this in my pre-marital studies, Bible studies. 4, 26. It says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. And as it says down below, this passage isn't just for young married couples. This is for anyone in any relationship or any. In other words, it repeats what we heard. Settle matters when? Quickly. I remember as a young married man, not going to bed till 2 o'clock in the morning, resolving an issue with my wife. Because we wanted to hold on to the code. You cannot go to bed until the issue is resolved. And you're so tired. All right, I'll let it, I'm going to let this go. 
I forgive you. And usually it was Laura forgiving me first. I'll confess it. But we would stay up very late to practice this verse. You know why this is so important? Don't let the sun go down. Because if you go to bed on unresolved anger, it's like a seed. It's planted in the ground. Overnight, it starts to spread roots. You know what those roots are? Bitterness. You harbor bitterness. There are people with roots, huge roots of bitterness because they have resolved so few things in their lives. If we're going to do one thing in this church, we need to make sure we resolve matters among ourselves and with people around us. Because bitterness affects you. It's like a sickness. It corrodes you. It contaminates you. So this is what we practice. And why? So you don't give the devil a foothold in your life. And I don't want the devil in my life. I don't want to give him a foothold. I want to be free. I lived under his power for so long. He told me what to do and I obeyed. I did what he said and what the world was teaching. Not anymore. I choose to be free. And this is part of that. Isaiah, this is an awesome passage, a great passage. Isaiah 43. This is an opportunity for you and I to become like God. Really. Isaiah 43, 25, it says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sin no more. See, for God, our relationship with Him is above everything else. His willingness to forgive is already out there. He sent Jesus 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, He was ready to forgive you. And see, God will forgive and He'll let stuff go. Even though you haven't quite changed everything you need to change. And sometimes we can get really analytical. Well, I still think there's some other things that they need to get on straight before they turn over and give their life to Jesus. Understand, there are some things that are going to be, have to work out, be worked out later in life. Why, does God, so, why is God so willing to forgive? Because of His namesake. His namesake is the reason. He sets us free from... He, he, sets us, he wants us to be set free from the effects of other people's sin. God's not affected by the sin here on earth. Because He's ready to forgive. That way it stays with the sinner. The one who causes the sin. It stays with them. If you want to keep people and their sin from affecting you, forgive like God does. For His name's sake. He forgives. We're going to watch another short video that describes that. A father and son relationship. And it's an extreme example. Let's watch.
The quote at the end was from Mary Kay Reed. She was one of the victims of the assassinations at Virginia Tech University. It was one of her last personal journal entries before she was killed. And it reads like this. When deep injury is done to us, we can never recover until we forgive. Forgiveness does not change the past, but it does enlarge the future. Today I want to ask you, have you forgiven anyone of anything? This is about your freedom. Freedom is not free. It was paid at a very high price. Whole families have been destroyed. And it's a generational sin because we believe in generational good teaching. The devil practiced bad generational teaching. He doesn't want you. He wants you and your children and your children's children. And the habit and the practice of not forgiving gets passed on to generations. What a great example. He decided, this young man, he decided in the, in the storyline, he decided... I'm not going to let his sin destroy my life. You can make that decision as well. Let's close out in Matthew 18. We're going to need our Bibles here. Hope you brought your Bible. You never know when you're going to need it. Like right now. Matthew chapter 18. Now here's the first verse we're going to look at, but we're going to go a little further. Matthew 18 verse 21. We get the Apostle Peter here. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Now, Peter was saying this for the Pharisees, three or four times was good enough. That was ultra spiritual in Jesus' time. Really. If you were to forgive somebody three or four times in one day, man, you were spiritual. Now, Peter wants to get a star. You know when the little kids, they get a star when they behave well in school? He wanted to get that star right on his forehead. He wanted to be the star student. And so he ups it a little bit. He says, up to seven times? Jesus said, that's good, but that's not good enough. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. I tell you not even seven times, but 70 times seven in one day. Now, Jesus' point is don't, don't do the math. His point is this. Our willingness to forgive should be unlimited. So there's no number on it. Unlimited forgiveness. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Love never fails, nor should forgiveness. If we want to live God's way. Now let's read on. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 23. Now Jesus didn't finish there. You know, whenever he goes into a sermon like this, he goes, uh, therefore, verse 23, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like this. Now, 
He's opening things up. This is a life lesson. This is a life teaching. It's like a king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. As he began to settle, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was bought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay it back. I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Set him free. Now, this number here, 10,000 talents. In our, that means millions of dollars. In reality, in the 21st century, this number means about a billion dollars. How can you accumulate a billion dollar debt? Well, our, our country is right now, trillions. It's, it's an enormous debt. In your lifetime, you'll never pay down that much. The founders of Google, they didn't want to make millions. They wanted to make billions. It's not enough to be, who wants to be a millionaire these days? Who wants to be a billionaire? But who wants to have a billion dollars in debt? This is an enormous amount. And yet, faced with his consequence, he fell to his knees. And the master said, this is God. All right, I'll set you free. No stipulations, no conditions. I will forgive you of your debt. Set him free. But then Jesus goes on to give this teaching. He says, But when that servant went out, he found the one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And that's the equivalent of about three or four months' wages. How's that look? A billion versus three or four months' wages. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me. I will pay it and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man throw him into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that happened. Then the master called the servant in, You wicked servant! I canceled all your debt, all the, that debt of yours, because you begged me to. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have... You should have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you. In anger, his master turned him over to the jailer to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how your heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. You know, uh, John Wooden died not too long ago this year. He was a very different basketball coach. He had a run where he won 88 straight basketball games with not one loss. A standard that might never be matched in the history of NCAA basketball. Amazing coach. You know what he used to coach his kids? Better for you to be a good man than a good basketball player. He would not allow hoodlums on his team. They had to make a decision when they walked into the practice gym. 
that they were going to devote themselves to being a good man first, then a good basketball player. One of his other teachings was that it's better for you to be a beautiful person on the inside rather than a beautiful person on the outside. He changed the lives of many of his players because of those few short years that he spent with them, teaching them life principles. This is a life principle. But, you know, you think about this servant, the second servant. His heart was revealed. His heart came out when he was faced with his one of his own, one of his fellow servants. And his heart was ugly. You saw the beautiful heart when he was needing forgiveness, and you say, wow, what, what an amazing guy. The humility, the penitence. Got down on his knees and begged for forgiveness. But see, sometimes when people sin against you, your heart will be exposed. And I want to make it clear today, even though I'm a, I'm a minister and I'm teaching the Bible, I am what I am because of forgiveness, and I've needed a lot of it. Even in my home, I've sinned against my wife, I've sinned against my family. And only through forgiveness can I go on. Their forgiveness and God's forgiveness. But if we've been forgiven a lot, who are we not to forgive those around us? Of things that are so small in comparison to what you have been forgiven of. So today I want to encourage you, and just as you see here in this example, what that servant did just didn't affect his fellow servant and himself. Word got back to the master. Which jail do you think he sent him to? The master's jail. He was the king. He was the one that ran the jail. See, when you don't forgive as a disciple, it doesn't just affect you. It affects God's reputation. You make him look bad. We make him look bad when we don't forgive. It gets back to him. We need to be a people that practice forgiveness. It will affect so many people. People are watching whether you forgive. And it's an important teaching for our children. And as he says here, as he said, you wicked servant, unforgiveness is wickedness. Again, going back to the principle, you can be morally right, but spiritually wrong. And we've got to be careful that we don't morally stand on the principle of, well, the Bible says, so I will not forgive. He's doing wrong. Now, we need to forgive just as God forgives. And unforgiveness keeps us, unforgiveness keeps you, will keep you attached to the offender. Like in the video. Why did that young man forgive his father? Because he didn't want to be attached to all that sin. When you decide not to forgive someone, guess what? You're, you're chained to them. You might, as well, you might as well take up residence with them, live with them, or they're going to live with you. The offender, once he's hurt you, why don't you just have him live with you so he can keep on offending? That's what you do when you don't forgive. It's a big deal. But when you forgive, you're free. And you saw the effects of forgiveness. I saw another video. I didn't want to show it. But there was a a serial killer. 
that appeared in court and they had all the family members of the affected come forward in the courtroom and address the accused. He was guilty. They had all the evidence. And one by one, the family members would come up and would just be filled with, I hope you suffer a horrible death. And I hope you, it's long, and I hope it's, it's painful. And the man sat there looking at the, the family members with a stone face. And then the last father of the, one of the victims stood there and looked at the accuser and says, looked him face to face and says, uh, I forgive you for what you've done. And the accused broke down and wept. The serial killer just broke down. The stone face left. If you want to change people's lives, forgive them. It's huge, the effects that it has. And now let's close out and take the communion. But as the Bible teaches, it's very important, brothers and sisters, before we take the communion, that we make sure we're resolved. And I want to encourage you today, if there's anybody or anything still out there, maybe you shouldn't take the communion today. Maybe you should wait. Maybe you should have communion later after you've resolved your issue. And you could take it later, and you'll take it in a way that's pleasing to God. That's how serious it is. God wants to make sure your relationships are great. Let's go to Him in prayer. And before we pray, let's read the verse. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and was raised again. Jesus died and forgave so you would die to yourself and forgive. It's big. Let's pray.